scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard, and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the There's some energy in the building today, Chapman. There's some energy. There's some excitement surrounding the next two hours of Hockey Talk here on the VGK Insider Show. We are going to chat in just about 20 minutes or so with Connor McGahee, the radio voice of the Colorado Avalanche. Of course, if you have been in this market or around the Golden Knights, you remember Connor from early on. He is doing a phenomenal job calling the games for the Colorado Avalanche. He had a great call of the moment the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. And like, listen, I get it. I know that Golden Knights fans do not like the Colorado Avalanche, specifically the Colorado Avalanche, mainly because they're Colorado, uh, but now, of course, because they've won a Stanley Cup. However, we all like Connor. Connor's going to join us. He's going to talk about what the last week has been like for him, how he came up with what it was he was going to say when Colorado finally won their Stanley Cup, uh, as well as some tidbits on this team, why they were able to overcome what they did to win, and we'll go on from there. We're also going to chat with Shang Pang in hour number two, five o'clock. And we're chatting with Shang because of some news that happened earlier today involving the San Jose Sharks. At the beginning of the day, Chapman, at the beginning of the day, we had an idea that all of the coaching vacancies in the NHL were about wrapped up, taken care of. And we're going to get to Rick Bonus and, and the Winnipeg Jets and one-timers. We're going to get to uh, Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins in one-timers. But for a moment in time, earlier today, there were teams, there weren't any teams that needed a coach. Everything seemed to be wrapped up in the coaching carousel. And then San Jose entered the chat. Then San Jose decided that a week before the draft, Chapman, without a full-time general manager, that their evaluation process was complete now, and Bob Bugner and his staff are no longer required to coach the San Jose Sharks. They were fired earlier today. I just don't understand it, and this is really the question that I have for Shang. He's more dialed in than anybody else. Why now? Right? Like, why this moment in time? Why is this the right moment to let Bob Bugner go? Because, frankly, like on a human level, it sucks for Bugner. Because every single vacancy is already filled. Like, you are not even giving the guy an opportunity, an op- a chance to interview for an open position or another job. And you, you, you know that there would have been teams calling. You know that just in, in the process of due diligence, Bugner would have an opportunity somewhere else. And it just seems to me to be dysfunctional. 
It seems to me to be lacking character, lacking tact. And I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know if it's been a conversation with some of the finalists that would be GM, that they would have gone on and made that move. But it just seems like there's a moment in time that should have been earlier than this to at least allow Bugner to go out and get another job. Well, I I have a very difficult time discussing this with a straight face because it's it's almost comical how how <laughs> inept and how asinine this is. First of all, you're 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 entering the draft week and you have an interim general manager. Mm-hmm. Why you did not hire a general manager as soon as possible? I want to be thorough. Well, how thorough? I mean, you've known that Doug Wilson wasn't going to be there for a really, really long time. So how thorough do you need to be? I mean, I don't think that you need to be this thorough. No, no. It's like, it's, 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 are we crossing all the T's and dotting the I's and, and the lowercase J's and all that? It's, it's, <laughs> it's asinine. But you know what's funny? This is a team that will get no sympathy from the Vegas fan base. They have been an absolute dysfunction basically since Pete DeBoer left. Mm -hmm. Like, since they fired Pete DeBoer, this team has been a disaster. And maybe even go back before that, because you look at some of their signings and the big contracts that they handed out, yikes. This is a team that that will, in all likelihood, within the next couple years, look a lot like the Arizona Coyotes on the ice. Mm -hmm. An absolute disaster of a a team. and, And look, I mean, I think, honestly, they did Pete DeBoer a favor when they fired him. Because Pete DeBoer landed on his feet. He, got, he he was here. Now he's in Dallas. Meanwhile, they're firing their coach a week before the draft. Remember yesterday I was dog in Winnipeg? Oh, you don't want to be the last team? You don't want to be last? Not anymore. <laughs> why Why are you... First of all, if, if, you're, if you're San Jose, all the good candidates are probably off the market. Because well, I, I, I don't think on, Rick Tockett is going to say, yeah, this is a situation I want to put myself in. It, like, it, like, who but, are we going to okay, get? Olay Vigneault? Hold on, hold on, hold on. With Tockett, though, the question isn't if this is the situation. It's if he wants to coach. I, like, I, think, I think we've gotten to a point where we have to assume that Rick Tockett doesn't want to coach. Yeah, because I mean, I can't imagine he, he sat around and he's said, He's not yeah. bombing these interviews, Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, he's not bombing these interviews. Like, there has to be some degree with which Tockett is holding back. Whether or not he wants to admit it outwardly or not, there has to be something preventing Rick Tockett from getting one of these jobs. And I don't think it's that he's not good at interviewing for them or that he's not a a, a candidate or a real candidate for it. I just don't think he wants to. I think he yeah. wants to be a star. And if you want to be a star, that's great. Stay on television. But, but I'm telling you, if Tockett's not the guy, good luck. Yeah. Like, Elaine Vigneault... Okay, Claude Julian, like is Mike that Yo. really where you want to go, Mike Yo? I I don't think that you like. It, it's one thing to, in for all intents and purposes, screw Bugner in this situation. Yeah, it's one thing to do that, but you're operating now from a position of disadvantage. If you're San Jose, you need to look for a coach, <laughs> and there's no one in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like they 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 showed up to the wedding, and everybody's already gone. They showed up to the party, and it's an empty party. Like I, I it, it's it's fascinating to me because for all this time, I looked at the Arizona Coyotes saying they are they are an inept franchise. They're mm-hmm. a joke. Mm-hmm. San Jose, hold my beer. 
So, Shang Peng tweeted this out earlier. This was Joe Will, interim, again, interim, it's funny, uh, GM of the San Jose Sharks on the decision today to fire Bob Bugner and his coaching staff. Quote, they've done an admirable job, but we haven't made the playoffs in three seasons. End quote. July 1st. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've been out of a playoff spot since, since January. January. Yeah. <laughs> and the ultimate deciding factor here is that they have not made the playoffs. And, and you couldn't have come to this decision sooner than July 1st. Oh, God. I, I'm flabbergasted. And, and again, we're going to talk to Shang Peng at 5 o'clock. I'm hopeful that Shang can give me some indication as to why this is actually happening, other than it just is San Jose. It's just what they do. But I'm flummoxed by it. I do not understand the decision being made. Now, I'm not disagreeing with Bob Bugner being relieved of his duties. If you don't think a coach is going to be the guy, then move on. I'm all for that. But coaching is not the issue with San Jose. It's roster construction all day long. I get that they are looking for a general manager, but you need to have these things in place because you've got massive, massive decisions looming, buyout periods opening. Are you going to buy out Mark Edward Vlasic? What are you going to do if Evander Kane wins his grievance? What are you going to do if you're the San Jose Sharks and all of a sudden you've got to pay Evander Kane? All of a sudden, that money counts on your salary cap. You're in cap hell right now. Cap <laughs> hell. And that's without Evander Kane's money on your books. I, I, there, there is a big part of me that hopes that Evander Kane wins his case. Because right now the Sharks have about $5 million, $5.5 million in cap space. If he wins, all of a sudden... They're they're two million dollars over the cap. Good luck trading away Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic. Nobody wants those contracts. Like maybe, maybe somebody would would take a flyer on Brent Burns, but not at eight million dollars for three more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and in doing so, you're probably going to end up costing yourself Timo Meyer. Probably. Because he's an RFA next year, and, I mean, he's probably going to get a raise because he's a pretty damn good player. It's it's astounding to me that we're talking about an organization a week from the draft without a general manager and now without a coach. <laughs> it is really fantastic. It's, and if you are a Golden Knights fan, and, and regardless of my own personal opinions about the, quote, rivalry, end quote, uh, between the Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks, listen. I get that Vegas missed the playoffs last year. I get that it was a difficult, tumultuous season. I understand that it was annoying and frustrating to deal with all the injuries and the carousel and all of that. I get it. I do. But take a breath. Look around you. At least you don't root for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, because this is this is a team that, for the foreseeable future, is not only going to be bad, they're probably going to get worse. Yeah, it's not great. Like, like imagine that's your outlook. We haven't made the playoffs for three years. We're in cap hell. Mm-hmm. We're a week before the draft. We have no general manager. We have no coaching staff. And, oh, by the way, we may end up having to pay a guy $7.5 million who isn't on our team anymore 
and it is in all likelihood going to get worse. I don't foresee the San Jose Sharks ascending to the top of the mountain <laughs> in five years, like the Colorado Avalanche did when they were terrible. But let's move on to brighter news, happier news. It, well, I guess it depends on where you're at and who you root for. The Colorado Avalanche had their parade, their Stanley Cup championship parade yesterday. I'm telling you right now, like I didn't get to watch the parade, which is fine. Like I don't need to watch it. There's not a lot that I'm going to glean from it, but there were some really intriguing moments to me. And we got some audio. We got some sound. Chapman, you tell me where you want to start. Well, I, I I think the the funniest is probably well there there's three funny moments that I've got. <laughs> I think what we found out is Eric Johnson does not know the words to no, all the no, small no, no, things. No, he does. He does. He just didn't <laughs> want to go through the second verse to get to the chorus. Like I, listen, <laughs> with Eric Johnson, and we'll get to it in just a minute. Like to me, the idea of having something in common with the fans that that transcends it's not just hockey is really cool, right? Like Gloria with with St. Louis, yes, and obviously yeah. we talked about it yesterday with the Golden Knights, what we would like to see happen if you get down that road. But all the small things, Blink-182, that song, that arena, that is awesome. And it's cool because the players recognize it. The players understand it and notice it. It's something that's organic. It's something that comes out. And Eric Johnson, bless his heart, is not a singer. He's a good hockey player, not a singer. But at the parade, he decided to lead everyone in attendance in a stirring rendition of All the Small Things. I'm going to keep, keep it quick. quick. How about we sing, sing all the small things? All the small things to care, truth brings. I'll take one wish, your ride, best trip. So that was fun. It was cringy. It was bad. Yeah, but it, it was. was fun. Now, who's the guy on the Golden Knights who leads the crowd in, in song if they win the cup? You know, that's a really good question. Um, if you would have asked me a year ago, I'd have said Alex Tuck, and I don't. Yeah. Th- I don't think I would have hesitated at all. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say Jonathan Marcheseau. Because it just seems like that's a moment built for Jonathan Marcheseau. Yeah, but I would go. I would go Mark Stone, right? Like I think. I think if 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 Vegas wins the Stanley Cup, Mark Stone is going to be all of Colorado to the tenth degree. Like (laughs) that is a guy that celebrates every goal as if it's the first one he's ever scored. Could you imagine Mark Stone and the level of excitement he would have coursing through his body if he won the Stanley Cup? Like, I think that's built for Mark Stone. Those are my three. It would have been Alex Tuck. I'm going to go Marcia So or Stone. What do you say? I, I You know, it's tough because I, I, I don't know who's a singer, but I think... Johnson's not a singer. I'm going to throw a shot at the dark here. I think it would be Nick Hague. I think, I think Nick Hague has that sneaky, funny personality mm-hmm. where... He's 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 kind of a young guy. He has fun. I I, I think he's got some of that in him. I I'm, 
we'll have to. Well, I don't know. Some of these guys were superstitious, so they wouldn't tell you. But it's it seems like it's a bit of a spontaneous thing too. Mm-hmm. So my my, you know who else? I I, I think maybe William Carlson, because he's he likes the bangers. Do you think you think he'd be a, a Blink One Eighty Two guy? No, no. I think he would lead a rendition of some ABBA song. Well, yeah, but we didn't decide on ABBA yesterday. Yeah, but I still think that's where he would go. What ABBA song would you choose? Oh man. There's there's some good ones. Mm-hmm. Um I have to think. I have to think. He's okay. ne- he's never told me what his favorite ABBA song is, so I don't know. Gotcha. All right. Well, think about it. Yeah. Don't hurt yourself, but think about <laughs> it and get back to me on ABBA and which song you'd want it to be. Listen, I- I'm all for having a little bit of fun. I'm all for uh, that moment because it was something that brought the players into the fans and what they do at Ball Arena. But, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's funny when when you have different views of certain players you think you have pegged. And Nathan McKinnon's that player for me, okay? I know that it went all over hockey Twitter Last year, when Nathan McKinnon said, frankly, I've been, in the, I've been in the league for eight years, and I haven't won bleep. I haven't won bleep. So Nathan McKinnon, as, as much as he can have a sense of humor, decided to <laughs> play on that at the parade. It's been a long road coming to this point. Um, my ninth year, I finally won something, I guess, but... I guess. I guess. Like again, <laughs> just so it, casual. I guess. So he he, it it's, it's a good idea for a joke, but it's really poorly executed, right? <laughs> because it's the parade. You can swear. No one's gonna get mad at you. Yeah. You have to have it. We're be. not gonna be f- sung this year. Exactly. You you don't have to be PG with it. If Nathan McKinnon said it's my ninth year in the league and I finally won bleep, everyone would have been like, okay, I, I, it's a good joke. It, it landed. It worked. In this case, it didn't. I, I applaud him for trying because, again, as we've talked about with Nathan McKinnon, trying to be human maybe doesn't come naturally for him, but at least he's trying. I think you should have dropped an F-bomb. Like, I think that would have been, that would have added to it a little bit if he's like, <laughs> you know, you know, guys, you know, Denver, it's my ninth year in the league and I finally bleep and won something. Yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drop the F-bomb. Do it. Go for it. So another, Don't hold back. Another thing for me was Miko Rantanen, and you know what? <laughs> this is great. Okay, listen. Miko Rantanen did a moonwalk, and that was the <laughs> second most impressive thing that he did. Here is Miko Rantanen at the parade. Uh, first of all, I'm going to say sorry that I lost my ability to speak any English after the parade. Uh, it was a tough parade for me and Lecky, which is Arturi Lekkinen, heard of him, you know. So, But uh, I just want to thank everybody who's in here. I want to thank all the people that EJ thanked, all the same same people, the owners, everybody, all the fans, and and uh, like I said, I I can't really speak any English now, so I'm just gonna try to talk to Lecky the rest of the night. So, love you guys, love you everybody. Miko Rantanen's funny. Like as much as Nathan McKinnon tried to land the plane and it didn't work. Miko Rantanen saved the day. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal bit from Miko Rantanen in that. He is so blitzed, just can't do it. You know, I, I will say this. I I have 
talked to a couple Finnish players, mm-hmm. and they they tend to be very intense, very serious guys, uh, at least with the media, right? Like like Eric Halla, Finnish player, mm-hmm. very very funny guy in the locker room. Yeah, but with us, he was always very serious. He 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 liked the bus chops, but he was a very serious guy. To see a, a, a Finnish player like Miko Rantanen. Mm-hmm. Displaying that sense of humor in public and then bringing in Arturi Lekkinen, another Finnish player, is is hysterical. I, I find that really, really funny. So, um, boy, do I have an Eric Halla story, but I can never, <laughs> ever say it. It's, oh. it's unfortunate. Like, it, it's, it's one of my most prized stories from covering the Golden Knights. It's a good one. Yeah. Can't get into it. Yeah, I, I've got a good one too. Uh, he he used he gave me a hard time for wearing my Sweden jacket in the locker room one he, day. He everybody does. Yeah, and like it, everybody's it got a great that he would. Yeah. be the guy to give you some grief about it, but it does track. So, one of the most intriguing moments for me came courtesy of Bo Byram. Yeah, and and we're gonna talk to Connor McGahey specifically about Bo Byram because I, I think his story, what he went through this year what he was able to accomplish in the Stanley Cup final, like that is awesome. And and if you're not going to root for the team, you root for the people. Yeah. And and that's a story where you want to root for the person. Um Bo Byram's been living it up. <laughs> living it up. Walking out of the arena in Tampa, talking about posting things on Twitter. Like Bo Byram's been having himself quite a week. And it's funny because when you look at Bo Byram, he's a child. He's yeah. a kid. He's, he's a little he's, dude. He's not even 21 years old. Not even 21 years old. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but there was a video that went that was going around on Twitter, and this was phenomenal. And I'm not even joking. Bo Byram was in. He was he was off of the float and walking to and enjoying himself with some of the fans. Yes. There was a police officer on a bike. And as Bo Byram turned around and tried to get back onto the bus for the float, for the parade, the police officer stopped him. Yeah. Because the police officer thought that <laughs> Bo Byram was a fan. <laughs> and it got to the point where Bo had to say, like, no, 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 I play for the team. Yeah. And it was it was funny and it was uncomfortable. And, and the fans was, are fans are telling the officer yes. he's a player. He, they're pleading with the officer. He's a player. He plays for the team. He's one of the players. So then that begs the question because as you've tried to do a couple of times, who would that person be on the Golden Knights? What player on Vegas would be mistaken for a fan at a parade? Hmm. That's a tough one because I, I I I'd like to think that that most of the 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 more known players that it should the, be a goalie. Yeah, it might be. I mean, if we're going on the roster today, mm-hmm. maybe me, uh, uh, maybe Lorraine Brossois. Okay, uh, because backup goalie doesn't get a lot of you know he was injured. Ah, uh, I I I I kind of feel like it wouldn't be. Any of the defensemen, maybe Nolan. maybe Brett Howden, it's Nolan Patrick. Oh yeah, it's Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick. <laughs> I think I think if you if you had a parade, if if we're in an alternate universe, if we're in the upside down right now, yes, and the Golden Knights end up winning the Stanley Cup, Nolan Patrick to me is the Bo Byram. Like there <laughs> there would be a moment 
where Nolan Patrick's in there. He's hanging out with the fans. Everything's feeling good. Everyone's loving it. Everyone's having a good time. And then all of a sudden, the police are like, "No, no, no! You, why are you trying to get back? Yeah, You're not because he's a he's a young looking guy. I mean, he's still really, really young, and he he still looks like a kid. So, mm-hmm. yep. I I could see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, did you see Nazem Kadri's shirt? The the uh, too many men. Okay, here's why I love it. <laughs> Nikita Kucherov leaned into. $100 million payroll, right? He leaned into over the salary cap, right? Yes. He leaned into it so much, and the Tampa Bay Lightning leaned into it so much that they had that put on their parade shirts. <laughs> They're boasting that they were the beneficiaries of LTIR and the fact that in the playoffs they had a $100 million payroll. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. If there are teams out there trying to get an advantage because of LTIR, like I would argue that it's not really an advantage to have to play an entire season without Nikita Kucherov, but you still have to get to the playoffs, and they did. It is what it is. I'm not like one of those, you must be and keep everything sacred when it comes to LTIR. If you are not trying to maximize the money that you're allowed to spend, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Period. I'm 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 a big believer in you you do everything you can. Within the books, mm-hmm. within the within the rules of the game, mm-hmm. to win. But if you are going to lean so heavily into the bending of the rules, <laughs> then kudos to Nazem Kadri for wearing a too many men on the ice shirt, and it's the celebration of the moment where his teammates are holding on to him and congratulating him. It's the nail in the coffin for the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I love the fact that he had the nerve (laughs) to boast like that, understanding what that might mean for Tampa. Because this is a team in Tampa that's not going to take kindly to it, because at least when the Lightning did it, they were poking fun at the league. Right? They were poking fun at all the fan bases, all the people that said that that's not fair. Nazem Kadri is poking at one bear. Yes. One bear. <laughs> and it's the bear that you don't want to poke because the Lightning might just go on and win another 12 playoff rounds. Because if you, if you hurt them, they will hurt you and they will come back stronger. I loved every minute of it. I thought the parade was fantastic. It makes me so excited at the prospect of what a parade would be like here in Vegas. I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse. I'm really not. All I'm saying is when you win it, have fun. Enjoy it. Love that process. And hopefully soon we'll be able to do it here in Vegas. When we come back, we're going to bring in and talk to our good friend, Connor McGahee, right here on the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. VGK Insider Show rolling along here on a Friday, hopefully. You're looking forward to a nice long weekend. And I, I feel like our guest could use a nice long weekend because, frankly, from the moment the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, this guy has been in high, high demand, and we are bringing him to you. The voice of the Colorado Avalanche on radio, it's Connor McGahee. Hey, Connor, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, Ryan. I, I was surprised that uh, that you guys didn't call earlier. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, it seemed like a Monday interview and not a Friday interview. But I'm happy 
happy to be back either way. Well, you, we needed to let you recover a little bit from uh, the, <laughs> the festivities that were probably taking place from the time the final horn sounded until you, well, until today. Oh, no, they uh, they got after it pretty good. It's just, it's been fun for me to sit back and, and watch them enjoy and see what it, it, it's all, you see the pressure just come off everybody's shoulders, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and not just from this season, but from the year previous and the year before that, and Look, in some guys' cases, I mean, if, you, if you're Nathan McKinnon, I mean, the pressure's been on since you weren't even probably a teenager yet. Um, so to see just that pure joy and and the pressure be relieved is, is great. I mean, I've just been sort of sitting back in the corner and watching it all happen, and it's, uh, yeah, it's been for the guys especially uh, a week of, of pure bliss so far. So when you're looking at, the playoff run for the Colorado Avalanche, 16-4, and four, in many ways an incredibly dominant performance top to bottom. How do, you, how do you surmise it? Like, How do you sum up that postseason from the Colorado Avalanche? It's funny because somebody, somebody tweeted the other day, they said, I don't feel like Colorado even really played their best hockey outside of maybe two to four games throughout the entire playoffs, and they still went 16-4. and four. I mean, if you're looking at NHL history, um, 72 wins total is tied for the most in a season ever. With the 95-96 Red Wings, the 76-77 Montreal Canadiens, and then the 83 Oilers. And those are some of the best teams to ever play uh, in the National Hockey League. So the fact that they... Uh, and, and amazing that they didn't win the President's Trophy and were still able to get to that point... But having two sweeps, I think, helped uh, towards the end. And Nashville and Edmonton really uh, were able to do Colorado some favors because of those extra days rest. And Joe Sackick has said since, uh, since he was a player, rest is a weapon. And I think that helped Colorado. But, I mean, it, it, they had four games of scoring seven or more goals. And that rarely happens in the Stanley Cup playoffs nowadays. Um, but then you look at the third period of Game 6 versus the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's as uh, good of a defensive performance as, as you will ever see. They needed a period to win the Cup. Uh, that was perfect. They only allowed four shots on goal. The only shots in the slot came in the first period, and that was the goal by Steven Stamkos. <laughs> so um, everyone likes to talk about the Colorado Avalanche offense, but really uh, there were some defensive performances that won it for them, and they were... They were a complete team uh, that had depth, and their depth players, if you look at it, really won them a lot of the series during this run. And um, it's it's always interesting if you look back and, you know, the Avalanche were in the Claude Giroux sweepstakes. Well, if you sign Claude Giroux, you can't get Andrew Cogliano mm. and Arturi Lekkinen. And those are two of your most valuable players when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, um, really, everybody top to bottom helped and that's usually what it takes to win the cup. You know, it, it's funny because you bring up defense, you bring up depth, and you know one of the one of the areas or one of the players really in the final last couple of games that, that stood out to me was Bo Byram. Like I, I thought yes. he was so so good defensively, and really took on the minutes that were needed in that series to close it out for Colorado. And, and you know, you understand his story. You know, it, it's not been the easiest road because of injury, but it was so rewarding 
as somebody that's followed Bo's story, that he was able to have that moment and really be a key contributor when it mattered the most? Without a doubt. I mean, he was six seconds shy of the most ice time of any avalanche skater in game six. Yeah. Devon Caves beat him by six seconds. Uh, he's got more ice time than Kale McCarr uh, in that game six, who ended up winning the Conn Smythe. But Bo Byram finished the playoffs at a plus 15 <laughs> that led every single player in the NHL. Uh, and was the most along with Connor McDavid. Uh, and we're not talking about rookies here. We're talking about every player at every position. And Bull Byram, uh, especially when uh, the chips were down, looked more comfortable. And that's not easy to do for a 10-, 12-year veteran in the National Hockey League, uh, not to mention somebody uh, who's only really been in the NHL not even a, a couple of complete seasons. So, Paul Byram, I mean, there's a reason that he was selected so high by the Colorado Avalanche, and his reemergence after having to take a leave of absence in the middle of the season uh, due to uh, some of those what we assume to be concussion-like symptoms, um, that, that makes it even more special. And because he was able to come back and play the way that he has, that's part of the reason that Joe Sackick was able to part with Justin Barron, who was the next defensive prospect to the Montreal Canadiens to get Arturi Lekkonen and provide that defensive forward and turns out to be offensive forward type <laughs> depth that the Avalanche needed. So the return of Bo Byram just turned so many wheels for Colorado, just not just for the future and what he he still could be. Uh, I mean, Eric Johnson said that, look, Bo Byram on any other team would be a top D-pairing defenseman. But because he's on the same roster with Kale McCarr and Devon Taves, uh, I mean, that means that, he, that he's down the way. But that's how solid of a defensive core Colorado has. His story, uh, to me, is one of the most impressive out of anybody during this run. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you what... Nazem Kadri's like because I think he has a bit of a bad reputation around the league but I'm a big fan of his I like what he does off the ice I like that he's an inspiration for for a lot of other people who who are maybe new to the game but just just kind of describe to us what he's like as a person what he's like as a human being because I I happen to be a big fan of his but I want I want our listeners who may not be such big fans of his to know what a great guy he is Chris, did you read that Players Tribune article that he wrote before the playoffs started? Did you happen to read that by chance? No, I'm I'm going to now. <laughs> yeah, it, it you, and you have to, and that's the that's about as good of a peek as anybody could provide into Nelson Kadri, the person, um, as you're going to get. Uh, he's honest. Uh, he always will speak his mind, um, and they come really. I mean, it's not easy at any point in any part of our lives, not necessarily to reinvent yourself, but change how you're viewed. Uh, and Nazem Kadri, uh, starting with the play on the ice this year, was able to do that. Uh, he, he turned himself into a 200-foot player and not just somebody uh, who dangles and scores goals. I mean, he's made to be a second-line center. And I think the message was delivered maybe after the last two years and especially after that suspension in the Blue Series that led to him having to sit out the series versus Vegas, um, that he 
he needed to change some things on the ice. And I think when he did that, it, it led to the change uh, of him mentally as well and did not make those mistakes. I mean, there, I, I couldn't tell you the amount of times that guys tried to push him over the edge and try and get him to snap like he had before, but he just did not do that this year. And that is maturity, and that is growth. And that's wonderful to see out of anybody, especially someone who has that type of reputation. Uh, again, in this year's Blue Series, uh, as we saw somebody who has dealt with things that a lot of us can't imagine uh, to deal with and, and be able to stay focused and keep your eye ahead and, and really talk with your game. And he said after that hat trick uh, in St. Louis in game number four that, you know, not everybody is as tough as I am. Nobody is, as, not many people are as mentally strong as I am. So I'm showing them that they can do it as well, and I can take the brunt of it. And and a lot of the things that he has done has been inspirational for kids who may have run into circumstances with people or players during a game, and, and he's shown them that they can overcome it. And we mentioned Bo Byram's story is one of the good ones inside of this championship team, Nazem Kadri, uh, has to be towards the top of those stories. Radio voice of the Colorado Avalanche, Connor McGahey, joining us here on the VGK Insider Show to chat about the week that was in the in the wake of the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup, their third Stanley Cup in franchise history. So, you know, Connor, I, a lot of championship teams will talk about a moment, right? Like a moment during the playoffs where it was either a galvanizing thing or it was adversity-faced where they realized in that moment, okay, we've got what it takes. We know we're going to get to the Stanley Cup Final. We feel like we have the team to win. In your estimation, was there a moment for this Colorado team this year? You know, I'm glad that you asked me easy questions once in a while. And this is, <laughs> this is an easy one. Uh, Peter Baugh of The Athletic, he's the, the writer for the Avalanche on The Athletic, we sort of teamed up to do the top goals of, of the postseason. You, you, you can read it now. And the top goal uh, that we both agreed on that I would give as many boost points to as I could would be Darren Helm's goal with less than six seconds left in game six of the St. Louis series. Um, we said before that game that if Colorado wins uh, game six, they will win the cup, and for a number of reasons. Uh, even though they have had great success versus the Blues in the postseason, they faced them three times, they beat them three times, it just happened to be in the second round. Mm -hmm. And now was the talking point around this team for a number of years, and for good reason. 2019, they lose in the second round in seven games to the San Jose Sharks. 2020, they lose in the second round in game seven in overtime to the Dallas Stars. 2021, as everyone there knows, uh, loses... Vegas Golden Knights in six games after going up 2 nothing in the series. Um, and so the thought was is that Colorado just couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't make it to the conference final, and it was never going to happen. But that goal by Darren Helm with almost no time left to win the game 3-2 for the Avalanche after J.T. Comper had scored twice to tie it was a sign that this team could do it. They needed kind of a sign of a miracle and a fairy tale moment, and they got it. And that's why I think from that moment on, there was no doubt that everybody in that room knew that they could lift the cup uh, at the end of four rounds. 
I, I think there's something to be said about just getting through that mental hurdle, right? And and once Colorado got through it, they were absolutely fantastic against Edmonton. And there were moments where, you know, you, you don't ever want to discount or count out the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. But uh, Colorado seemed to be unfazed from the moment they were able to get out of the second round. It didn't really seem like they were bothered by much. And the resiliency is something that Jared Bednar has said about his team probably more than anything else. This is a resilient group. They know how to bounce back. And if you look back during the season, there wasn't really a, there wasn't a bad losing streak at all. I mean, this team uh, didn't go through one of those where they lost four or five games in a row. It just didn't happen. Uh, and in the postseason, they didn't lose two in a row either. They would bounce back from every single loss with a win. Uh, and the worst one, probably being before that game six, game five of the St. Louis series, when Nathan McKinnon scores a hat trick, and the third goal should have been the game winner, one of the most spectacular goals you're going to ever see, <laughs> as he goes end to end with a move uh, on Ville Husel, short side. And that goal should have won the game, should have won the series for the Avalanche. But they allowed St. Louis to score and tie it, and then they won it in overtime. And that would have just taken all the air out of anybody else's sails, and even out of the sails of an Avalanche team in the past, like last year. When they lost Game 3 versus the Vegas Golden Knights, you could almost feel that they felt that the series was over, which is strange, Mm -hmm. considering the fact that they were still up 2-1. But that's what made this year's team different was the resiliency. But that, that didn't bother them. They had short memories, whether it was after a win, whether it was after a loss, they went right back to work. They kept saying the job is not done, and they stuck to that ethos. And, you know, after they have a chance to win the Cup on home ice, uh, Tampa plays as good a game as they could ever ask for, and it was eerily similar to the St. Louis series where, again, could have clinched the series at home. They did not. They had to go back on the road. But they didn't hang their heads. They didn't feel defeated. They went back, and they won. And, again, there are so many qualities about this group that led them to the cup, but I think that might be the biggest one. All right, Connor, we're going to finish up here, but uh, I, I like to call you the mayor of Mile High City Sports because a lot of people don't know <laughs> how involved you are with not just the Avalanche, but it seems like everything else around uh, uh, Denver and and the uh, the area around Denver. But uh, Denver Broncos got themselves a new quarterback. So what's what's the feel like in Denver with uh, Russell Wilson? And maybe you'll get to annoy a couple Raider fans who might be listening to our show. Oh, they did? They got a new quarterback? I heard. That's what I heard, yeah. Am, am I off on that? Breaking news on the VGK Insider Show. Cool. Uh, it was funny because we were in Jersey uh, getting ready to take on and eventually lose to the Devils. Uh, when the uh, when the trade was made, and I saw it, and I, I quote tweeted, it might have been the, the Adam Schefter tweet, and I said, because I do the public address announcing at uh, Empower Field a mile high, and I said, well, I guess we're announcing the starting offense for the Broncos on opening day. Um, so yeah, I mean, if to me, look, Broncos have run this town for a long time. Um, but it wasn't them who brought the first sports championship to Denver. That was the Avalanche with the Stanley Cup in 1996. Two years, the Broncos won back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, the Avalanche, the Cup in 01, uh, and then Denver able to win another Super Bowl in 2015. So they've sort of gone back and forth at winning championships. But no matter what, um, the Broncos have, have really,
narrative in this town. But right now, that is the avalanche. And Russell Wilson uh, completely got behind Colorado. Uh, he was he was courtside for the Nuggets playoffs. Uh, he was ringside and in a suite for the avalanche Stanley Cup run. So, I mean, he's already sort of put himself uh, inside the fabric of Denver sports. And which is neat because he realized that he'll have his time. He'll have plenty of time uh, to be in the spotlight and didn't really take that away uh, of a team with a cup run. But as good as, as the Broncos' conversation has been with him there, it was overtaken by, by the Avalanche and winning the Stanley Cup. But I think there is a lot of hope uh, in Broncos' country that they will be better because if you look at the rest of the AFC West, um, they – we're losing the quarterback battle to every single other team. The Chiefs, the Chargers, and Carr with the Raiders. And that was just not going to fly, and they, they needed to be better. And now they'll be beyond more competitive, and it's just going to be fascinating to see the Russell Wilson effect um, uh, in that locker room and especially on that offense. You know, Connor, I, I mean, we can chat with you all day. Uh, I want to be sure. respectful of your time, though. I- I've got one last question, and-, and it's because I geek out about radio, right? I-, I geek out about the moment you had, the moment to call the clinching seconds, the clinching moments of Colorado winning the Stanley Cup. What went into your prep for that moment? How much did you think about what it was you were going to say and and because I'll be honest, buddy, I think you are awesome. I think you're great at what you do. I think the call was perfect. I just want to know what your thought process was going into it. Well, first of all, Ryan, I appreciate that very much. It's very nice of you to say and um, very kind. Uh, to be honest, I didn't – I remember sitting at the desk for NHL Network. This is before game one, mm-hmm. I think, and, and they asked me the question, oh, what's your Stanley Cup game winning call going to be? And I said, guys, it's, it's game one. <laughs> uh, and, and, and they asked me the same thing between game, you know, before game number five. And I said, guys, it's game five here. So I, I didn't want to put the cart before the horse ever because when you do that, uh, you don't, it doesn't work. So to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of thought to it. I mean, I, I, I sort of ran the lift, uh, Lord Stanley line around in my head a couple of days before, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, everything else was organic. I mean, you could, you could plan it out all you want, but uh, if you're looking down and reading a script of what you're going to say, you're going to miss the moment. And uh, thankfully, we didn't miss the moment. And you couldn't walk past anybody without saying, well, if they win tonight, it's going to be you. Don't screw it up. I said, okay, guys, <laughs> thanks very much. I, I, I know. Uh, so it's... Uh, I wanted it to be as organic as possible because I think that's what the you know a fan reaction would be. You know, I, I, you you don't plan your celebration if you're watching the game at home. At least I don't think you do. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I I wanted it to, to be as natural as possible, and I'm I'm just uh, I'm just glad that it uh, complemented a great moment for the team um, as much as it could. Listen, I I think it was perfect. I think it was fantastic and I, I wish you nothing but the best over the course of the summer um, I know that you will be back on this program because the Golden Knights will be playing Colorado at some point during the regular season and those games are going to be so much fun thanks for taking the time buddy enjoy this moment enjoy the summer and we'll chat soon 
Uh, you know, you know, you guys are some of my favorites, and I'll come on anytime. Don't hesitate, and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you again. Awesome stuff. That is the radio voice of the Colorado Avalanche, Connor McGahey, good friend of the show, who's having himself an absolute blast right now as the Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one, get to hour number two, all that right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Big thanks to Connor McGahee for joining the show. It's been a whirlwind week for him. Always appreciate it when he takes a little bit of time to join us here on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, Really a fun, entertaining hour number one, but the main event, is coming on the other side of the break. It's Shang Peng. Everybody knows in this valley, Shang Peng, some of the questions that he has been revered for. Uh, I'll tell you, I cannot wait to get his take on the San Jose Sharks, their decision today, today, to fire Bob Bugner. They're looking for a new coach. They are still in the process of looking for their next general manager. Oh, and by the way, the draft, that's a week from today. So a lot of interesting things swirling around the San Jose Sharks, and we're going to pick the brain of a guy that's incredibly connected there. It's Shang Peng on the other side of the break right here on the VGK Insider Show.